This podcast is brought to you by the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, your community foundation, which is focused on one simple goal, to help philanthropists pursue their causes for bettering the lives of people in Louisiana. Welcome to the pod. I'm your host, Chris Meyer, and today we've invited Big Brown James Joseph to talk to us about how he started helping the community through his fund at the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, the Big Brown Reaching Back Fund, and also how his mother, Lily Joseph, instilled in him a philanthropic spirit. Big Brown, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. All right, first of all, for those, because this is a podcast, so they can't, they can't see you, but Big Brown, wh- wh- where does that nickname come from? Well, uh, I was delivering at Catholic Elementary School in, in uh, New Rose, Louisiana, and uh, it was the uh, kindergarten. They were outside playing uh, TV and playing with the plevies and playing with all kind of stuff outside. And so this one little kid said, wow, look at that big old brown guy. And uh, he was referring to UPS, you know, because I wear the brown uniform yeah, and yeah. a brown truck. And uh, so all the little kids and things said, hey. He's the big brown man. He's the big brown man. And uh, 20 years later, I'm big brown man still. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's how you introduced yourself to me. I remember during the pandemic, um, you called me out of the blue. I, I didn't even have your number in my phone. And you said, look, I want to help give supplies to schools that need uh, personal protection equipment we're getting donations from across the country to help out schools here. How do I plug in? And from that day forward, everything I've learned about you, you are a man around town, not only in your work, but also in your philanthropic giving. So I'm just so grateful to have you on the podcast today. Thank you very much. Um, it just mean uh, to make sure that, you know, people in Louisiana are taken care of because this is my hometown and home state and I love my state and I want to do everything I can to help my step out state as much as I can. So before you came back to your home, say you, you graduated here from, from Bel Air High School. Correct. Uh, and then you went off to play college ball, and then you played professionally across the world, including with the, the Harlem Globetrotters. That's correct. So, I mean, the, the big part comes from you being 6'8 and, and able to jump out of the gym. <laughs> so, correct. I mean, to give us a flavor of playing around the world, what was that experience like for a kid coming out of Baton Rouge? You know, I, I've always looked at a globe and say, you know what, man? One of these days, I want to go here, 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 and here. And to get that opportunity to see a world that's different from my world here in the United States uh, made me realize that, you know, like Dorothy would say, there's no place like home. That's right. There's no place like home. And being in these foreign countries, seeing how things are and how things are different, how people are struggling and stuff like that. We talk about how we are struggling here in the United States, but I wish you would go to some of these third world countries and you'll be, you'll appreciate the stuff that you have here in the United States. What do you mind sharing one of the most eye opening experiences you might've had in these journeys? So my last tour was in Australia. Mm -hmm. So I played in Brisbane, Australia for the Brisbane bullets. And, um, I never forget. um, uh, I was outside at my house one particular day and I seen these Aboriginal kids, which is the original people of Australia, and some of these kids from Tonga and the different islands, mm-hmm. and and they were playing with a messed up basketball. So I never forget. I went outside one day and I said, oh, "Y'all need a basketball? You play with this." And then days on, days on, days on, they start wanting to have a basketball team. 
So I said, okay, then we'll start a basketball team. So I got the basketball team. And then there was a railroad that was right by the playground. And I would see them writing on the railroad. And I'm like, what are y'all doing? And they were like, oh, this is our playtime. We like writing on the railroad. So I said, you know what? Hmm. So I went to the railroad and I said, look, I'll make a deal with you guys. I'll stop them writing graffiti on y'all trains if y'all buy them basketball uniforms. So the railroad agreed. So they bought all the kids' basketball uniforms. So we started the league, and the, st- the kids started writing graffiti. And then I'll never forget, one of the kids about to go there, and they, one of the kids said, oh, no, you're not. You're not messing <laughs> our league up. <laughs> so that was a big eye-opening for me, and that made me come back to Louisiana and start doing things like this here in my state. Let's talk a minute about about your mom. You know, you've said before that that she really instilled in you this sort of spirit and passion of giving back. How did she help shape the way you think about helping the community today? Well, my mom was a was a great woman. You know, when you're growing up, you don't see things that your parents do. You yeah. just see some of the things. But as I got older, I, I started to understand that she wanted to help everybody. She wanted to make a difference in people's lives. Uh, she sacrificed a lot to make sure that happens. And uh, with that being said and being around her and seeing the things that she were doing, you know, she did things and she moved on to the next. She did things and moved on to the next. She didn't care about who's going to get a trophy mm-hmm. for this or who was going to get this for that. She didn't care about all that. She just wanted to make a difference in people's lives. And with that being said, I just she just gave me the torch and said, hey, I'm going to give you the torch. Now it's your turn to do it. So hopefully I'm bringing it, the next torch to my, my kids so that we can continue to try to do blessings for anybody that we touch and anybody we're around at all times. So so you come back to, to, to Baton Rouge. You're, you're working for UPS. Uh, one day on one of your routes, you, you run into uh, a guy named John Spain who works at the Baton Rouge Area Foundation. How did, how did that interaction ultimately change your life? So with that being said, uh, I'm on my route in New Rose, and John and his brother lived on, the, uh, on my route. So um, I met his brother first, and uh, you know we were talking and stuff like that, and he said, well, Big Brown, you do a lot for the community in Pornkeby Parish. But, uh, you know, you might want to talk to my brother. And I said, who is that? And he said, John Spain. I said, well, where he lives? He said, he lives down the street. Well, I'm, I'm thinking hard. I don't remember no John Spain. I get a lot of stuff for Linda Spain. I wonder if that's John's <laughs> wife. <laughs> so I never. I went to deliver a package to him, and I, and I finally met him. And um, I just had a conversation, was talking and everything, and he was telling me, you know, um, I can help you grow. And he said, uh, if you give me the opportunity and you can bring your fund to the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, I can make it happen. So I said, hey, let's make it happen. And I've been there ever since. So you, but before that point, you had started to galvanize some of your you know, colleagues at UPS, others in the community. What, what, what was it like before you got to the Baton Rouge Area Foundation with the fund? How, how were you kind of raising resources? How were you trying to deliver those into the community? So we was doing a lot of drives. So we would have the air conditioner drive. We would have the fan drive. We would have stuff the ups instead of stuff the bus. We started ups <laughs> first. <laughs> well, we started with stuff a UPS truck full of school supplies. All this happened in New Rose. So we're just doing drives after drives after drives. Well, 
I had a UPS manager come down and say, hey, Big Brown, let's try to do the things the, a better way for you. Let's raise money through UPS employees. So we started doing the United Way campaign. But a lot of guys weren't familiar with United Way, so they said, hey, we'll get a Big Brown. We know he'll help other people. So they started donating money wow. to the organization. And next thing you know, John said, hey, bring it to the Bedroom Jerry Foundation, and we can make it even better for you. And, and ever since that, Hey, I've been with the Bedroom Jerry Foundation. I, I thank God that I found John Spain to be able to do what I'm doing now because without him, the things that I do now is, is easier now. At first, it was hard. I was sweating bullets out there on these drives to make people give. But now it's just automatic. So you you created the Big Brown Reaching Back Fund. What 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 has the foundation been able to do for you to help help make it easier for you to have the impact you want? Everything. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I don't have to do nothing. All I do is send an email to Travis and say, this is the organization we want to donate to. And next thing you know, I'm picking up the check and handing it to the organization. I don't sweat no more. <laughs> I don't sweat at all. <laughs> Maybe for different reasons. Uh, no, look, you, you, I, I, can, I can attest, you have been one of the most prolific uh, grant makers at the foundation and and you have this ability to find needs in the community and and bring needed relief needed positivity needed change talk to us about some of the things you've been most proud of over these these last few years in giving let me tell you something uh first of all ups employees we drive all in every community you name in the united states there's nothing that we don't see that you guys can't see. Mm -hmm. We see things that you guys don't ever see. So that's why we can go to these different places to make a difference because we got UPS guys that say, well, hey, man, this happened. Big Brown, they call me up on the phone and say, hey, we want to do something about this. Now you get the opportunity to do something about it. At first, we never knew what to do, but now you have a resource to make a difference. And that's the good thing about being at the Baton Rouge Area Foundation is because you guys give me that opportunity to make a difference now. And I got other guys want to donate money to the organization. Like, real soon, we're going to do swimming. And Travis told me what we need to do. See, so, I mean, it's it's not just me. We're a team. That's right. And the great thing about being on a team, man, is that everybody on the team is working together to solve a problem. And that's the greatest thing about the Bedrooms Jerry Foundation. I'm not leaving. You, you can't get rid of me. I'm going to be up <laughs> here like a statue or whatever, but y'all not getting rid of me. <laughs> no one will. <laughs> we absolutely need to keep you around. What What are some of those challenges you've seen across our community? What are, what are some of those needs that, that maybe – uh, don't come as much to the to the forefront as they should. Let me tell you something. My mom has this saying, you take care of your past and you work on your future. So my past is the elderly people in the community. We need to focus more of them because they paved the way for us to be where we are today. Mm -hmm. But we overlooked our elderly. You know, I mean, it's just the little things you do for the elderly. They appreciate it. You know, like when we put those air conditioning in those windows, man, you'll see the smile of those people's faces because, you know, they're on a fixed income. So when you when something breaks down, you're not prepared for that. So we help those people out. We give them fans. We give them air conditioners. We give them blankets, heaters, you know. And, you know, like I said, 
if it weren't for Travis, I'm going to give my boy Travis his prop. I got to give Travis his prop. I'll call Travis up. Travis said, okay, Big Brown, we, let's just, just make it happen. And the team with Laura, these guys, we make that happen. And then you got to look at the future. The future of our kids. And, uh, you know, the thing about our future is that, you know, we got to have set examples for them where they won't have to worry about where am I going to get a pencil from? Where am I going to get a piece of paper from? I don't have shoes to go to school. I don't have uniforms to go to school. But if we're making a difference in these children's lives where they don't have to worry about those things, then they could be productive citizens. But the thing about it is these kids worry about those things because they don't know where they're going to get the jacket from. Thanks for Pat Coats for kids. How many kids would have coats? That's right. And, you know, we donate every year. Still, we have the, the, the Christmas thing. We donate to that every year. So we change the lives of these children. That's the most important thing. Well, your story has inspired so many people that, that as I've come to the Baton Rouge Area Foundation and met, who said that they've, they've witnessed how you took it upon yourself to just begin helping, now beginning to professionalize how you can help and serve more people. If, if folks are kind of sitting on the sidelines thinking about, you know, well, what can I do? How can I get involved? What, what, what would you say to them? You know, some people are afraid to get involved because they don't know how to get involved. Yeah. So what I tell them all the time is, look, if you don't have the time to get involved and you have financial billions, donate to our organization. And what you're trying to do is you come with us and you go do it together. Because some people just don't know how to get involved in anything. They're kind of scared, so they sit back. But if you get with me, we'll go do it together and get it done. And that way some people say, okay, you know what? I'll go with Big Brown. At least I know we can get it done now. And that's the thing we've been doing. That's right. That's right. Think Thinking about just the community overall and, and some of these challenges and opportunities, what 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 big ideas do you have that you'd like to see come to reality here in Baton Rouge? Let me tell you something. I called John Spain up two weeks ago. I said, John, I, I got a problem. He said, okay, I know what you're finna say. I said, yeah, I know what you're about to say. I said, you know, we have three entities here in Baton Rouge. You have the school board, you have the YMCA, and you have Breck. I want these three to work together because if we can get these three people to work together, we can solve a lot of problems. You know, they talk about crime of our youth in the, in the community that are doing these crimes. Well, they used to doing the community, they're what, 14, 15, 16-year-olds doing all the crime. Well, here the problem is we got parents that are single. And if I got four kids, how can I send four kids to summer camp at $100 a week? when I'm barely making enough money to survive. So I want these three entities to come together to make a difference because the schools could do one thing. They can teach. So if they can keep the kids from eight to one o'clock, then we can send them to brick. They can learn sports or stuff like that. And then we can send them to Y. The Y is known for what? Swimming. So they can teach kids how to swim. But if we if we all three of these entities work together, man, we can solve a lot of this problem, man. We can keep these kids off the street because I, my mom always said, I don't mind is the devil's workshop. Mm-hmm. And so if we don't try to get these kids off the street during the summer, you have not seen nothing yet. It's going to get worse because these kids are not doing anything in the summer but staying at home and their mom got to work. So guess what? They're in the streets running around doing what they want to do. But if we take the time 
to get these entities together, to work together to solve the problem. I don't care who get the accolades. The accolades will be those kids in school learning something and, and also learning how to play sports. And we got a lot of kids in the inner city. We are surrounded by water that cannot swim. We just lost three kids the other day in the Mississippi. If they know how to swim, how to survive, they probably been living here today. So we need to solve those problems. You know, it's so often, it, 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 I totally agree with you. I mean, we, we have so many resources that are out there, but oftentimes they're not coordinating together. And it, it's frustrating that you, you know, it takes kind of a moment like this to, to on the outside to try to force them together. But, but I'm grateful that, that you sparked that conversation. Where are we? What do we need to do next to get, get those organizations working on a summer plan so kids are learning and experiencing uh, these kind of community supports? Well, we got to get them together. I mean, we got them together one time, but everybody has their own agenda. Well, here my thing is, we're trying to solve a problem. So we all going to have our differences. You might see one thing some way, I see something totally different. But if we work together, we can solve those problems. You know, every time I hear about financial, I, all I hear about financial, everything costs. I, I, I'm not saying that. But, but if we work together, a lot of that cost will be gone. That's right. But we got to come together, and everybody can't have this chip on their shoulder about certain things. Look, if we're going to do things together to make a difference in these children's lives, let's make a difference. But if we're going to complain about what children are doing on these streets and how they're doing things, then guess what? That's your fault if you don't try to make a difference. You certainly have inspired uh, so many people to to make things change, make things happen, get involved in a way that maybe they wouldn't before. Uh, I'm confident with your leadership and, and our partnership, we can work together to make something happen here. And so sign us up to, to realizing that vision with you. For folks that, that are thinking about ways that they could get involved with you in the Big Brown Reaching Back Fund, what, what do they need to do to learn more? Give us a call. We're aiming to please. <laughs> Well, uh, uh, Big Brown, uh, it, it certainly is uh, great to, to connect with you. I, I, I would love if you could just share with us a story about how um, maybe UPS National and other communities have been inspired by what you've done here. Well, as you know, uh, I won the Jim Casey Award, which is the uh, most highest award you can win for UPS in 2017. They were inspired by some of the things I've done in Louisiana and uh, we've carried those things out to other states. And now that UPS employees are seeing the things that we're doing here in Louisiana, they want to be a part of this organization. Uh, I got calls from Tennessee, Kentucky. Uh, when the storms hit in Kentucky, you know, we sent relief with them. And me working with the Red Cross here in Louisiana, uh, logistically showing them that, hey, you know, you don't need to get your RVs. We got transportation. That's what we do. So load these uh, supplies. We're going to take you out to the back roads. See, y'all know all the back roads. We, we know the back roads. That's one thing about the UPS employee. We know where all the stuff is. We know the shortcuts. We don't need GPS. We can automatically go to the, to the places, and then the road is out. We know how to go around. So we got with Red Cross this year, and we – we, we, we basically brought all the supplies to Homa and, and Duloc and Montague and all those places and Laplace and stuff like that. We brought a lot of the stuff. So with that being said, UPS is around 
the, the United States know Big Brown. They know the organization very well. And, and a lot of them want to be a part of the organization. And they want to see what we're doing to try to make a difference. And the thing about it is we continue to blossom. They're going to always want to be what we're doing, and they duplicate it now. So there's a big brown just about in every state now because everybody wants to see what we're doing, and they want to duplicate it into their communities. So that's a good blessing. It's a blessing in disguise. Absolutely. What's uh, Maybe before we get out of here, what, what's one hope you've got for the future of Baton Rouge? My hope for Baton Rouge is that, you know, I, I talk about this all the time, and I, in fact I talked to uh, Dr. Narcisse, who's a – Superintendent, of Superintendent. Schools, yeah. I told him, I said, let me tell you something. We got to go back to the old way of doing things. And he said, what do you mean, Big Brown? I said, let me tell you something. When I was in high school, we had shop. We had automotive. We had bricklaying. We had, we had all kind of stuff in high school. And I told him, I'll say something. I understand you guys want to talk about education. But let me tell you something. A lot of these kids are not going to college. But we need to prepare them to have trades so they can have trades. You always need an electrician. You always need somebody in electronics. You always need a plumber. You always you need all these other things to, to provide. So if we start working on preparing these kids for the future, instead of trying to say, you know, you got to go to college in order to get something, well, let's get them a trade so they can have something. Then your dropout rate will, will shut down. Then you want to have all the crimes that you're doing right now because majority of the crimes are doing it are kids that are dropped out of school. So if we start preparing them to be men, to be ladies, to get jobs, to be on jobs, instead of saying, man, I'm not going to be working at McDonald's, but let's prepare, give them a trade, and then we'll find out the dropout rate will stop. And well, that's think, my future. Look, I, I think you're, you focus on everyone having the opportunity to, to prosper and live a meaningful life and have dignified work. I, I 100% agree. Uh, and you've been such a great example of somebody who not just um, is is diligent in their work, but you you you're a leader of this community. And so we're grateful for you at the Baton Rouge Area Foundation for your work in the community for sparking and inspiring people across the country. It's not just your uh, your height that defines big; it's your heart. Uh, and so we're so grateful to have you on the show today. Again, for folks that want to learn more about how they can get in touch with you or get in touch with the Big Brown Reaching Back Fund. How do they get in touch with you? Well, they can contact me on my cell phone number. Everybody in the world got it. It's 225-931-2813. And they can email me at jamesjoseph21 at iCloud.com and reach out. And before I leave, I'd like to say my favorite song. I'm bad, bad, big bad brown, baddest package man in the whole dang town. I'm better than... All the rest. Why? Because I'm Big Brown. <laughs> we we got a new intro song. We got a new intro song now. Well, <laughs> Big Brown, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Uh, we love the work you're doing in the community. Uh, you are awesome. You've been a great partner and friend, so we're just so grateful for you. And for those listening, thank you. I'm your host, Chris Meyer, and our mission is to elevate the people, ideas, and opportunities to make Baton Rouge a better place. To learn more about the Baton Rouge Area Foundation, please visit our website at braf.org and become a member today.